Good morning. I want to thank you for you know, joining us in our worship service this morning. In these times uh, that we're in, I know that there's a lot of things that you could be doing. Uh, you know, there again, I thank you so much for joining us in service this morning. And I hope that you will receive, uh, you know, the word from God and that he will minister to your heart and soul right where you are. Again, thank you and God bless. Amen. Amen. Wow, what a week we've had, but yet we can still say it is well with my soul. I want to remind you that uh, here at Rock Hill First Church, we have canceled all of our services until the end of the month. But just because we've canceled the services doesn't mean the bills have stopped. And we would like for you to take the opportunity, if you would, to go to the website and to give online. Uh, if you were not able to give online, you can mail your tithing checks into the church. And the place to mail it to would be 1225 or 12250 P.O. Box. And that's in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And the zip code is 29731. So we appreciate you doing that and uh, being mindful of what God has for you. Today, I would like to talk to you about Jesus being the bread of heaven. The scripture today is John chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 26 through 36. While you're turning there, I want to ask you the question. I'd ask that you would simply ponder this question. Have you ever been really hungry? I'm talking about a deep hunger. Not this hunger that you would have from just simply missing lunch or maybe breakfast. But I'm talking about a hunger as in you have been working hard all day long and hadn't taken a break, or even the fact that you have possibly fasted for a couple of days. The hunger that creates a pain within us that seems like it will never end. That type of hunger. And whenever you're thinking about that, look at it from a child's point of view. As a child in you know, that day that would be hungry and as he pulls on his parents' sleeve and asks that question, where is dinner or when is dinner going to be? And you as the parent really don't have the answer to that question. So as you've brought yourself there, that would kind of give you an understanding of where this passage of Scripture comes from. Because this is right after Jesus has fed the multitude or fed the 5,000. And whenever we look and we see this, we get this understanding that that day that Jesus satisfied the hunger pains in their bellies with feeding them the bread and the, and the fish. But where we find them today is that the hunger has returned. 
because the hunger was only something that, uh, and the bread and the fish was only something that satisfied them just simply for that moment. So we find here that they woke up the next morning knowing that Jesus and the disciples had taken the, or that the disciples had taken the boat. But they also find themselves that somewhere in the night, Jesus himself left. And they look around and they see boats from the people from Tiberias. And they get into the boats and they travel to, or they travel across the sea to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And we see in the scripture that they find Jesus. And they come up to Jesus and they question him. They say, Jesus, how did you get here? And when did you get here? I want you to notice that Jesus didn't answer their question. Jesus just simply rebuked them. Because, see, he knew that these were the same people that he had fed the day before. And all they were looking for was that momentary satisfaction of their belly being filled. After all, it was breakfast time, or possibly even past breakfast, somewhere around that brunch time that they find Jesus, and their bellies had begun to come be hungry once again. And we find this. That Jesus rebukes them because he knew that they were simply searching for a temporary fix. They wanted him to feed them one more time. We all too often are tempted to fill ourselves with the temporary things just as well. We look too often to the things that will satisfy us for the moment. And sometimes... It's food. I, you know, there's a reason why fasting is so closely linked to food. Because it's something that we, we all need, right? We all have to eat. But it, it solves something that is temporary. Because not too long after we eat, we're hungry again. I've noticed if you eat Chinese food that you're hungry a whole lot quicker than if you would eat some other food like barbecue or you know something like that. I, I don't know what it is about going to a China palace or having uh, you know the the uh, you know the sesame chicken or something like that, but I'm starving to death like an hour or so afterwards. I, you know, I don't know what that is, but I want you to know I still eat it. You know, but we, we do, we, we fill ourselves with this stuff that's temporary. Whenever we look at this, there are often times that we have food right in front of us, but it's not the food that we desire, so we're still hungry. And there's times that we try to fill our hunger or What's in our heart, the emptiness in our heart with other things. Fasting 
reminds us and helps to shift our focus away from what we might be gaining or getting momentarily to fulfill us with something that is sustainable, that brings us closer to God and to Jesus Christ that gives us something that is more sustainable. I don't know about you, but there's all too often that I'm sitting in front of the TV and I'm not hungry, but I begin to eat. I'm one of those that eats while they watch TV. If it's a good sporting event, I eat a whole lot more. But what we're doing is we're just simply filling the void of the time. And there's a lot of times that we fill the void of our hearts with things that are useless. There's times that our heart is aching, but we still eat. There's times that we are lonely within our hearts, so we go to media. Or we are lonely and we go to the television. Or for some of us, we do this unnecessary shopping. You know, I've heard too many times on TV about people that, you know, a credit card and late night TV are not very good companions because we buy things out of boredom or we eat things out of boredom, but we, we all too often fill our lives with things that are useless. There is a emptiness within our hearts that only God can fill. And we need to seek God to fill that longing within our hearts. Today, whenever we look at this passage of Scripture in John chapter 6, verses 26 through 36, it's kind of lengthy. So I'm not going to read all of it to you at one time. I'm going to break it into parts, and then we'll talk about it as we move through this passage of Scripture. So let us start off with John chapter 6, beginning with verse 26, and I'll read through 28. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, what you, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the marvelous sign, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the son of man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They then replied, We want to perform God's work too. What should we do? See, the followers of Jesus were still focused on this momentary satisfaction that work can bring. Whenever we look at this passage of Scripture, we see that work is throughout the text. But the work that is throughout the text has the followers focused on producing something that is temporarily or temporary. You may recall in Luke chapter 18, verse 18, a certain ruler asking Jesus, What must I do 
to inherit eternal life. He was looking for something to do, some type of work that he would be able to to do so that he would feel that he was accomplishing something, so that he would be able to have eternity with Jesus Christ. Works will not get us there. Our efforts that he is asking about and that these people are looking for, the efforts that we require or they were requiring as far as how do I get this bread? What must I do to be able to get this bread? Jesus is trying his best to get them to focus on him instead of on what they must do. See, the focus for them was the law. But the focus needs to be grace. Needs to be God's grace and God's mercy that He pours out and that He gives to us freely. These people had just seen and even partaken of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. These are the people that sat there in, on the grassy parts and that Jesus passed out the loaves of bread and the fish. And not only did they partake of it, but it says that they were full And they actually had 12 baskets full of food remaining. But all they were concerned with and what they were consumed with was the food and what must they do to to get the food. Their question was legalism. Yet Jesus, throughout this process, was still trying to get them to understand that it was Him and that it was Him trying to change their thought process and to change the fact that they no longer needed to worry about the law. After all, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, it says that Jesus fulfilled the law. No longer needing to follow the law. Jesus had fulfilled it. And not too long after that, we find in Romans chapter 13, verse 10, that Paul says that love fulfills the law. So I want you to come along with me as we make this connection. Jesus, in Matthew 5, 17, Jesus fulfilled the law. In Romans chapter 13, 10, Paul says that love fulfilled the law. In 1 John 4, 8, it tells us that God is love. And if Jesus is God, then God, it says that God is love. Then Jesus, that fulfilled the law, fulfills the law with the love of God that is Jesus Christ. So it is not what we do, but he gives us out of the abundance of his love. Because he has fulfilled that law. 
He is trying to get them to understand that the miracle was performed so that they would be able to realize the power of the one that performed the miracle. But they couldn't see the one that performed the miracle. All they could see was the miracle. Their thought process was stuck in that realm, in that, fry, in that frame, that they just couldn't understand that it's not works, but it's faith. Now, I want you also to make sure that we don't miss the fact that in this passage of Scripture that Jesus did not say that there was no works that was required. Because after all, faith is work. It takes a lot for us to have faith in God. We have to work through the process of understanding who He is. We have to be able to understand the suffering that we're facing today, that He's the one that's bringing us through it. Therefore, our faith in Him and trust in Him grows and grows and grows. But see, while we today, as we claim to be people of faith and people of grace, we are still caught up in the fact that we all too often have to do things to earn God's love and to earn salvation. Jesus, again, is working, trying his best to get them to understand that it's not works that saves us. But it's simply His grace, His love, and His mercy. They were looking for this sign. I think it's interesting how they were looking for this sign, but yet Jesus was right there in front of Him. They were asking Him, and they asked Him for the the bread, and they asked what would we or what should we do to, uh, you know, for us to be able to get the bread. But the whole time, the bread was standing right there in front of them. Let's look on in John chapter 6, verses 29 through 30. Jesus told them, This is only the work, or yeah, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered him, show us a miraculous sign so if you want us to believe in you, what can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Wow. That is cool, but... They're asking for a sign from the one that just fed 5,000. So in other words, they are searching for him. They went seeking Jesus because he had just fed them and they want to have something more to eat. And now they're going to ask him, so if, if you are the one that we're supposed to follow then show us a sign. I'm sorry, I kind of have a struggle with that because it's like, duh, 
There was your sign. I think Jeff Foxworthy said that, right? Here's your sign. Jesus had already given given them the sign. Remember in verse 26, Jesus rebuked the people for seeking him because they were truly, they were only looking for him because of what he had done or what he had given to them. They had eaten their fill and now they wanted more. And they're desiring another sign. They actually think that they can guilt Jesus into performing another sign. Do you see this? They bring up Moses and they say, well, uh, you know, Moses fed our ancestors as they were wandering through the desert. Jesus takes them back and Jesus says, wait a minute. It wasn't Moses that fed them. It was my father that fed them. It was my father that sent the food or sent manna down from heaven. This is where we begin to see this. This serves to us as a reminder as we seek Jesus, who is the ultimate sign. He is the Son of God. The one that came to this earth to give us life. And this is where we find the passage of Scripture that says that that He is the bread of life. But I want us to make a quick connection here. Because in John chapter 4, We have the story of the Samaritan woman that seems kind of familiar to this. It seems almost identical to what Jesus is talking about and dealing with this group of people. After all, as he sat there at the well talking to the Samaritan woman, she told Jesus what the Messiah was supposed to do and what was supposed to happen whenever the Messiah came, but she did not realize that she was sitting in the midst of the Messiah. See, they're asking for a sign and they don't understand that they are standing in the midst of the sign. They are standing in the midst of the one that if they would truly believe in Him, that He would satisfy their every need. How often do we look for a sign from God while missing God at work in the world right around us. You know, see, God is at work in our midst right now today. If we are so entangled or so involved in this world, we will miss God at work right here in the present moment in time. Now, looking back at experiences that we've had with God and experiences that we've had and, uh, you know, with His mighty presence in our lives, looking back at those experiences, uh, you know, that's okay. 
The only thing is, is that we can't allow those looking back moments to distract us from what God is doing today. We can't allow those good old days to destroy the todays. We need to make sure that we continue to recognize and to see God and God at work in the present time, in the moments. In John chapter 6, verses 32 and 34, Jesus tells, it, it says, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Just like the people who ate the bread at the feeding of the multitudes or the 5,000, uh, you know, look back at the experiences that they had that day, but they also look back at the experience that their ancestors had. Many of us, many of us have had those great moments in our lives, but we continue to look back upon those moments instead of realizing that God is here with us. There are times that I look back to youth camp whenever I received Christ as my Savior for the first time. Man, that's a great moment. We don't forget those moments. Peggy and I just went to a conference in Lakeland, Florida a couple of weeks ago, and that was a great conference. I got a lot from that conference. But if I continue to stay within that conference and not allow God to move and to work more and further on in my life, then I will miss what He truly has for me. And I will be feeding off of the things that are only momentary. Things that will flee, that will leave. My father passed away May 1st. And there are today and there are days that I sit and I think about conversations that I've had with him. Meaningful conversations about God and about the life and the work that he has for me and all the things that God has done for me and has done for my family. But again, we can't let those distract us from the fact that God is a God of the present. You know, one of the significant moments in the story of Moses, it was whenever God introduces himself and we find that God introduces himself as I am. And whenever he introduces himself as I am, I need you to understand that that is a renderance of present tense. That every time that we see this, that God is the God of the moment right then and right there. And he is not a, a God of the past or God of the future, but he is God in the present moment and time. He is right here with us. The I amness of God. But you know, one of the other things that we miss and that we forget to look at is, and we, we don't even think about the good old days. The good old days are full of good things, right? Right? 
But whenever we were living through the good old days, they were full of a lot of trouble. They were full of a lot of turmoil, a lot of questions. I think about the good old days and, you know, it just simply popped into my head. I don't know how many of you have ever heard the terms of poke rolls and grits. But I remember that there were many of nights that we came home and we asked mom and dad, what's for dinner? And we got that saying, poke rolls and grits. I'm going to tell you what it is. You poke your feet under the table. You roll your eyes and you grit your teeth because there's nothing to eat. Poke rolls and grits. See, the good old days had some troubles. We forget about the troubles of the good old days. The good old days and today, if we focus too much on it, we'll miss what God truly has for us. We'll miss the miracle, the miracle of God being with us and in us every single day. Whew, I got a little excited there. In John chapter 6, verses 34 through 36, Sir, they said, give us this bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. Wow. They've seen Jesus. They saw the miracle. They were standing in the midst of the sign, but they missed it. Jesus is the bread of life. He satisfies beyond the mere moment. He satisfies our every longing. He is the one that provides. He provides for us and he provides for his people the idea of Jesus being the bread of life connects once again to John chapter 4 and the story of the Samaritan woman. To her, Jesus claimed to be the water, the living water. The water that if those who believe, you know, drink the water that they will never thirst again. The drinking from the well later would it be, we would still be thirsty. The woman asked for the water, but she asked for the water before she truly understood what she was asking for. And we find that whenever she realizes, you remember, go back into your thought process with this story. Whenever she realizes what Jesus was truly offering to her, what does she do? She runs back to the village and she tells them that she has met the Messiah. She has met the one that will tell her or you know, tell her everything about her life. 
she realized that she was in the midst of the sign, that she was right there in the midst of Jesus Christ, and everything changed in her life. And it changed because she had a relationship with Jesus Christ. It didn't change because she did anything other than believing in the one that God sent. Change of the thought process. There is nothing that he asked for us to do except for believe in him as God. As the son of God. Jesus Christ. See, the people that Jesus was dealing with here, they were looking for just simply mere moments of satisfaction. But Jesus was offering so much more. Jesus offers to us today so much more. There are people today in this world and people in church today that all they want is for God to satisfy their moment. Just simply help me through this day. And Jesus says, I don't want to help you with just the satisfaction of today. I want to help you with the satisfaction from here to eternity. I am the one that will supply all of your needs. All you need to do is believe that I am the one that God sent to this earth that died on the cross, that rose from the grave, that forgives us from our sins, that asks us to have a relationship with Him. That's who He is. He wants to give us so much more. We just simply need to be open and willing to receive that so much more. In this season of Lent, We are reminded throughout our fast that God wants to be more to us than a momentary satisfaction. God doesn't want us to miss out on the miracles of the ordinary way that He is at work in the world, in our presence, just as He doesn't want us to miss out on the present and the future that He has for us. He is longing for us to want Him. Not only today, not only the God of yesterday, but the God of tomorrow. The one that has everything for us. In the beauty of communion, we're reminded that Jesus Christ's body was broken for us. We're reminded that He is the bread of life and that He longs to feed our deep desires and longings, the ones that's deep down in our hearts that only He knows that He realizes that we need and to receive those, not from legalism, but we receive those from love and from grace and mercy And that we receive forgiveness from our sins, not because we do something, but because of His mercy and His love. So that He can free us to live a life that is satisfied in a relationship 
with Jesus Christ. That we are satisfied in having a relationship with His only Son that provides our everything. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for today and for the words that You have given to us. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you will minister to each one. And God, that we take these words from here and that we meditate on these words. And God, that we don't miss, we don't miss your son and the relationship that he calls us to. The redemptive relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to thank you again for watching. Uh, And I hope that God's word spoke to you. I also would hope that you would reach out and help support the church in these times of need as well. You can go online to our website, rockhillfirstchurch.com and give online. Or you can send your tithing in to our P.O. Box, which is P.O. Box 12250, Rock Hill, South Carolina. Zip code is 29731. Thank you again and God bless.